What's up, family? Welcome to episode two of season two of The Conversation. Can you believe we're in our second season? This is just, God is doing so much. This is being viewed all over the world. You know, we got one person that watches. My parents are watching Australia. It's yeah. global. You know that pastor, yeah. all over the world. Like, he told our family like, too. One yeah, person, yeah, yeah, you know. You actually, Kendall has a fan in Indonesia that's, that's watching. That's that. great. We love that. So we're, he said, true story. We're so excited. We've been doing something new this season too, where each week we decided to have a guest. I love and that. this one was brilliant. We just, oh, yeah. first of all, just in case it's your first time watching, these are my co-hosts, yeah. Elise yes. Murphy, everybody. Hi, How are we doing? Kendall Haley, the legend. Oh, I've been clapping quiet. And we went, we went to, we went in. Oh, this yeah. <laughs> because Shoot for the stuff. we had to bring the oracle. Yep. <laughs> the guru. Okay. The guru. Yoda. <laughs> you know, himself. Yoda himself. You know what I mean? Not baby Yoda. No. I'm talking about Thank Yoda that's you. been around a while, man. This guy is not just Talk one of my that. friends. Not only is he my friend, not only is he like a second dad to my kids, not only is him and his wife Brenda the only person my son will listen to, <laughs> but he is, facts? Yeah. <laughs> he is Kendall Haley's father, ladies and gentlemen, our guest this week, Victor Haley. He's incredible. And uh, I'm so excited to see, uh, to have you here uh, on the conversation. And as is our custom, we are uh, going through the parables of Jesus as many as we can, and we're going to get through most, uh, all of them, in, uh, between preaching and, and the conversation. And this uh, episode is the parable of two sons, which I think is an interesting, short, but yet profound mm -hmm. parable. So as is our custom, Victor Haley, we want to invite you to read the scripture that we will be discussing today. Love it. Happy to do it. Although you know I only have one son, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Okay, here we are, Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two sons obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Ooh. Wow. This is a, like, Jesus was like. I like the way you're starting off light. This wasn't no, like. Just <laughs> chill. This was no joke. Like, Jesus wasn't messing Seriously. around. I would have loved to be there with the look on their face when Jesus said this particular parable. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's, it, it's crazy. It speaks to um, who God lets in. And I think that one of the things I've had a hard time discovering is, like, who God would let in, you know, to to, to his, his kingdom, right. which literally means like his rule, his leadership. And um, I think this is a great example uh, for us as believers to, to look into. And so, man, I'm excited to talk about this verse, the parable of the two sons. I notice in verse 30, though, by the way, uh, 29, when he says, no, I won't go. Mm -hmm. But he later changed his mind. I always, that makes me think about how old the son was. 
Because had I told my dad no when I was 13, you know, then he got a butt whooping and then he changed his mind. You know what I mean? We don't know what happened in between. We don't know what happened in between. Like, what what happened to the son? Suddenly changed my mind. You know, what happened to the son to make him change his mind? Did he go ponder somewhere or did something happen? Because you don't. You don't get away with you didn't get away with no. that growing up where I grew up. My my yes, mother would, would threaten to punish us with things that were scientifically impossible. Like you cannot slap the black off somebody. Stop. Like it's not possible. <laughs> my mother would threaten to make me light skinned. She would also threaten to slap me like she had a time machine in her slap. I'll slap Is you in the next week. Oh, it's next week. Yeah, okay. wow. you were the next, next week. week. Next week. Like wow. she would literally say, I will slap you. Next week. I will slap you, and it's gonna be next Wednesday. Wow. This, uh, instantly. So it's impressive. That was missing in verse 29 for me. And so we we don't know what changed his mind, but but maybe it wasn't that. So we're gonna start with um, just a question about we're gonna go to you, Victor. You 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 are a guest, man. Yeah. You, you are happy to be here. I learned from your your leadership. So much I've learned from your leadership. And I think what stands out to me is a father, a leader of two sons. Obviously, you have one son. But dealing with different responses Mm. um, uh, from their kids. Mm. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, your heart as a dad or your heart as a leader when you are trying to guide someone one way Mm. and they're resistant to that. Uh, Give us some wisdom or some thoughts about how you have handled those situations. Yeah, well, that's that's a great one, and I guess there is a benefit of only having one son because you only get one answer. You don't have to compare. <laughs> you, yeah, you can you deal with the one answer. That makes it a little easier. Uh, but uh, I think what I've always tried to teach my children is that it's about outserving. And what I got from this parable is a lot of it is about overpromising. We've heard, all heard this: overpromise and underdeliver mm-hmm. mm-hmm. versus underpromise and overdeliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So the whole idea being it's less about what you think or what you plan versus what you actually do. Yes. Yeah. And I think that ultimately that's what our goal in life is, is to outserve. And it's a shame that so far, that's far too often we miss the mark. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think part of it is about spreading ourselves too thin and having too many things that we're going after as opposed to being really good right. at certain things. So for me, I guess answering that question is, the, the wisdom that I've tried to instill in my children is about setting realistic goals, achievable goals, and then actually outserving. So bringing more value than is actually expected wow. to a situation. Man, come on. That was just, <laughs> see, I told you we should have had them. In, in other passages, though, it would even say, to your point, Victor, that the kingdom of God, because this is what this is, um, a verse about, and I think it would be important for us to pause and say that the kingdom of God is much, it's, and the church is not necessarily the same. Hmm. The kingdom of God and and uh, Christianity is not necessarily the same. So you are not under the kingdom of God until the King Jesus is the Lord of your life. Like right. we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There is a place where you put your faith in Jesus. He saves you from your sins. But until you get to the Lord part and you allow Him to lead you and guide you. You're not operating in the kingdom of God in other places called the kingdom of heaven, which makes you at the mercy of earthly and worldly kingdoms Mm. without being in the kingdom of God. So I think it's important to understand that he's talking about people who are being led and guided by the Lord. And so in that, what Victor is saying about, um, you know, action, you know, we live in a world where everybody's talking. 
Everybody. Everybody's talking. I mean, just everybody and their mom and their grandma's talking, talking, talking. But you don't see a lot of action. Yeah. Even in certain movements, it's like, I know what everybody's saying. I'm not clear on what we're supposed to do. To do. Yeah. Um, what do you think it is? And, you know, maybe Elise, you could speak to her, Kendall, that with so many different platforms to share our opinions and share what we think, um, I don't know where I can go right now to do something about racial injustice. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I could do. Like, do you think, what do you think it is about this culture that we, we talk more? As a matter of fact, the scriptures say the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, mm-hmm. but of power. Yeah. Power to yeah. take action. Yes. Why do you think that's so hard yeah. for people and what do you feel like could, could be some steps to, to yeah. make the change where we stop talking but move forward with action in the power of, of, of God? Yeah, I think speaking from my experience, I guess, which is all I can speak from, if I look at the most prominent recent time in my life where there's been talk versus action, it would be everything that was happening um, with Black Lives Matter and with George Floyd. And as I was becoming aware of something that had been happening for so long and I had chosen to ignore it. So I think that for me, that I felt this, um, I wouldn't say a pressure, not for me to speak out, but I, I suddenly was aware that if I stay silent on it at that time, that suddenly if I was staying silent, the silence was the thing that I'd, I couldn't do anymore. Like I had to come out and use my voice to say, this is not okay. This has got to change. Now from there, I think I then started to feel, so that's actually where it started. It started with talking, but then as I was learning, but then it was like, if I don't actually take action and educate myself and start to have conversations with people around me and see where in my life I have a bias, I have a prejudice, then me just posting about an issue Mm. is adding to the noise but not creating any change. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me this uh, last couple of weeks has been a little more tough, to be honest, because to me it feels like my talking about it, posting about it is just like, what is this doing? And it's been a tough couple of weeks in that sense. Um, And I think that it's because I'm currently grappling with when do you talk and when do you, what and what do you do? And I think that there definitely is awareness as part of it. But I almost wish I had like a three-step thing, a list of things to do. and, And sometimes you don't. But even just the going on the journey of that, of realizing I don't just want to talk, but I don't know what to do. Like, that's a real thing as well. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that doesn't really, I guess, go with the parable because the dad told him what to do. But <laughs> you asked my perspective. <laughs> what do you think about, Kendall? What do you think about um, what your dad was talking about is, is the difference between, you know, talking and, and taking action? And what do you feel like would help people discover what action to take or... Yeah. Or maybe they know what to do and they're, they're not right. you know, taking action. Well, for me, it's what is the action. Because if we look at it, like, talking is actually an action. Posting right. about something is an action. You know what I mean? So for me, and what we've had conversations about is, like, what is the action that we want to see, not just talk about it. Yep. And so, specifically, the racial injustice thing. I've been, we've been talking and, and, you know, the NBA is making great mm-hmm. steps forward and stuff like that. But 
when we look at it, I'm like, I really am wondering, like, what is the action that they are going for? What is the message they're trying to send, not just awareness? Because I think what social media does is it creates a platform for so many people, which is amazing and great. And people have the ability to talk and post about things. And that's an action of making people aware of what's really going on. But in that posting and in that talking about it, what is the action that you're really trying to get to? Mm-hmm. Like, if you were to ask somebody, uh, what, what about, like, what, do you, what action would you really like to see about racial injustices? Like, what do you really want to see in the end? Some people couldn't even answer that. Right. Honestly, like, some people would be stuck with the question, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know where, this, where I want this to go. I don't know where this post is going to take the, the movement. Like, right. I don't know. So that's for me, is my biggest thing is like, if I'm going to do something, what is the action going to do? And what are the other things that I need to do to make the action like a positive thing, like a good thing? Yeah, collective group of exactly. choices that leads to an outcome. Okay. Right. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that my particular action is I've been trying to put myself in the shoes of a police officer because mm-hmm. I've been dealing with so much anger about how our community is being policed. Mm. So then for me, my action was, instead of talking, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a police officer. And that's been difficult to do because I think that um, the, the, the black community or the poor community is, is not policed well. Mm-hmm. And so then I have to put myself mm-hmm. in the shoes of a police officer to try to gain perspective on how we can bring together. Because right. it's not one against the other. We have to come together and bring solution and find that action. Right. And one of the things I thought of mm-hmm. growing up in San Bernardino, if you grew up in San Bernardino, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> how I survived the streets of San Bernardino are called, is called street smarts, mm-hmm. which is by judging before something happens that something could happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm like walking around in the hood and I see somebody, I see something going on over there and I'm like, okay, let me, let me not, or something's at a party, you just be at a party and we could just feel, hey man, yeah, something shifty's happening. Yeah. And, and I have yeah. left parties wow. prior to shootouts taking yeah. place. Yeah. Wow. I was telling a story last night, a lot of, yeah. many of you don't know this, but two people got shot at my 18th birthday party. I was a part of uh, from age 13 to 18. I had a best grade for my 18. <laughs> yeah. It was Australia, man. This ain't San Bernardino. This ain't Sydney, Australia. This ain't, this ain't Sydney, Mike. Far from. San Bernardino ain't Sydney, Mike. How's that accent? San Bernardino ain't Sydney, Mike. Oh, I'm from Perth. No, 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 no. Um, so from, thir- from 13 to 18, I was, a, I was in a place at least minimum 15 shootouts. And, and, and people were, were getting shot. First time I ever saw a gun get fired, I was in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Ninth grader pulled a nine millimeter out of his backpack and said, you want to see something. It was me and my brother walking home and shot it in the air on the football field mm-hmm. at my junior high. So what that did was is it shaped the way that I viewed the neighborhood. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I was on high alert when I walked down certain streets. Oh, sure. I was on, so then what, what I was doing was called street smarts a cop does it, it's called profiling. Right. And these are the conversations that we need to have mm. yeah. in order to say, wow. to, to be able to come to a resolution on how these things are policed. And I think both sides need to listen. So I've, I've listened to certain cops. They're saying, we're, we're trying to gauge a level of threat just like you did when mm-hmm. you live in the community. Yeah. And so I think having these conversations can lead um, to an action. The issue is, I think, with this verse is the person who started off 
with a yes, not the person who started off with a no. Right. Yeah. The person who started off with a yes didn't end up doing it. And so I think, Victor, what you're talking about is sometimes when we post and sometimes we get engaged, we, we're saying yes, but we're not that. really following up. Yeah. And, and as you've heard me talk, I, I'm, I'm big on way of life coaching. And yeah. I, I always talk about dreams, plans, and habits. Yeah. And so it's one thing to have a dream and then set a plan to it, but unless your habits are directly related to those dreams and plans, then it's all for naught. That's one of the reasons I brought you on. I want you to elaborate on, yes. on your dreams, plans, and, and, and habits. Like, tell us a little bit more about that and how you have coached people to, to have that perspective. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, I've, <laughs> I've digested thousands of books and tons of podcasts, and I've listened to all the greatest speakers in the world, et cetera. And I, for me, I'm very analytical. So I had to kind of take all that and break it down and use it in, and put it in a way that was helpful for me to be able to use for my life. And so now what I've been able to do is take that learning and turn it into a model and they use that for others to help them move their lives forward, just be become the best version of themselves. And so essentially for me, it's, it's breaking down all of life con life's components. I do it in a simple, what I call the balance five GPA. So my balance five is I start with belief. So it's about belief, my brain, my body, my bonds, my relationships and my business, and that's how I break it down. Fire. So when I, when I do that, though, it's important because what I'm trying to set in line by using that model is that we then have these areas of our lives. We can begin to identify where we have some, uh, some gaps. We can focus on those gaps, and then we can find some balance. I think what people tend to do in life is they get all amped up, and they want to go from zero to 100 in, in their body and getting healthy. But then all the other aspects of their life tend to fall apart. And so the idea is making slow progress over time so that we can be balanced and have all of those things increase and reach that growth of those dreams that we're trying for. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. Uh, and, I've been, and that's how I've been teaching. And I think that that's been effective because then we then turn those, that goal or that purpose in someone's life into a dream, a plan, and an action step or the right. habits that lead to ongoing and consistent growth in an individual's life. Which is why what I'm saying, that's so huge. What I'm saying when I'm, when I'm trying to put my shoes, I don't agree with everything that's going on, yeah. but I'm trying to prepare myself to be able to take action from a place in, of influence yeah. where I'm just not corralling everyone right. who believes this way right. and stoking the fire of how they feel, but I'm also able to put myself in those shoes so I can take action to maybe even change the other side's perspective. Yeah. And so I think that habits are important. And for me, if I stay angry, it creates bad habits. Mm. Speaking to that, you know, I want to jump into this, this idea uh, <laughs> that is like crazy, is that, um, that God would say, hey, tax collectors, which would be the IRS, yeah. but kind of, <laughs> but, 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 but not that the IRS is crooked, in case there's anybody from the IRS that go to our church, but if I owe you something, let a brother off, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm your pastor, you know what I'm just saying, just bring that number down, take a zero off of that, you know what I'm saying, brother just trying to lead people to Jesus, yeah. um, but these oh, people were working for the Roman Empire, and they were um, often like considered traitors, yeah. because they were you know, um, taking some off the top and doing all this stuff, it was bad. But the, the idea that he would say that a prostitute and a tax collector uh, who said no in the beginning but took action later is going to enter the kingdom of God uh, over someone who said yes 
and, and no action after that right. is a scary verse. Yeah. And it really is a verse that would make yeah. you think. And, and the, his audience was people who had memorized all five books of the Bible. Mm. I mean, the Pharisees were, were the religious leaders of, of that day. Do you feel like there is a, a, a season coming where God is going to let in people mm. to high positions of influence that would normally be disqualified. I feel like a season is coming mm. where he's going to be doing that. And, and people that we would deem to be less than or unworthy are, are going to be in high positions of, of influence, just over responding the way that God wants them mm. to respond. Yeah. Do you feel like Brother Kendall, mm -hmm. he always used young people, by the way. That's why I love having you on here. <laughs> because God's disciples were, were around your age King David was around your age when he was crowned king. What do you think about it is about being a young person that positions you best to be somebody like this that God would use? And have you ever felt, um, obviously you're not a tax collector, um, but have you ever felt disqualified for doing something? Or maybe even this show, there every moment where you came here and you were like, oh, I'm, I, I got to say something right or I got to do this. Like, tell me how you handle I mean, feeling disqualified. Yeah, I, I mean, if we talk about the show, definitely. Like, when you first introduced me or, like, wanted me to come on, I was like, like. <laughs> like, why? And it's not that uh, I'm not qualified for it. It's more of a mental thing. Like, the, the, no, you, I'm capable of being on the show, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's the mental thing of, oh, am I going to mess up? Mm -hmm. Do I really deserve to be here? This and this and that. Is my dad going to show me up? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's that, it's those type of right. things. But I think what uh, especially youth in this generation uh, are really doing is a, the desire to learn and adapt and learn new aspects of life, learn new things. And so what a youth, um, for me, what a difference between a youth and somebody that is an elder person is People that are elder have a lot of wisdom that's already built up. It's like if you squeeze out a sponge and you soak it up with water, that's the elder, older people. And we're, the youth are, are only like halfway filled up with water. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So mm -hmm. like an older person can be more stubborn to uh, ideas and new beliefs because they've been taught a certain way. Bro, you are preaching. Whereas the youth, it's, they, they have a desire to learn. They have a lot of... Uh, mm -hmm a lot of life left where they can learn. And so when you put a youth in a high position where uh, you're supposed to learn from your mistakes, you're supposed to learn from the yeah. people before you, that really, that's why I think God puts youth in, in uh, high positions is because the, the desire and ability and want to learn, especially in my generation. Mm -hmm. Man, I don't think, everything that's going on in our world right now, when you just said that, I think my best conversations about has been with young people. I don't have a conversations with like, or people have conversations with me. I'm, I'm not young anymore. I just, I'm 43. But there are very few conversations I have. <laughs> there are very few conversations I have, and I'm embarrassed to say this, where someone actually has changed my perspective. Mm. Because I've been thinking that way for right, so long. For so long. Yeah, yeah. And then the older you get, there are no conversations. Exactly. Like, I don't have any conversations. Now I'm talking to someone who's like 55, and they go, oh, yeah, like that makes sense. So it's always back and forth. Yeah. Young people are the ones that go, wait, yeah, I feel that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. And so this, that challenged me right now. Like, when's the last time I had a conversation where I went into it completely sure? Yeah. 
about one thing and I left. There are not many, mm. and I think that's unfortunate. Wow. And, I, and I think that part of that reason, Kendall, is because, like, a young person, right, when, as leaders in the church, or maybe you've been having a person of faith, if you saw a young person or you see a prostitute, it's like, we got to reach them for Jesus. They need the love of the Lord. <laughs> they need to, we need to get them in the church. Yeah. And God is saying, actually, mm. like, I'm going to replace you with them. Mm-hmm. Because there's stuff I've been trying to tell you to do for years that you won't do. Okay. So now there's these... And so I never really thought about that someone I'm constantly trying to reach for Christ, God might be trying to put them in the position I'm in because I keep telling God yes, but really my actions are saying no. That's a scary verse. What my biggest yes, um, just being like super transparent, you know, um, a, a few years ago, you know, I, I, you know, told Pastor Philip that I was dealing with some crazy random temptations from my old, um, you know, life. And Pastor Philip coached me through it, and he was just so gracious. And I was embarrassed to tell him that I was having these temptations. It was right around the time I was getting ready to take over the church. And during that time when I prayed about it, um, God said to me very clearly that if you deal with your health and your diet, I'm, that it's tied to that temptation. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, no, we're about to pray in the spirit, man. I love, love that chicken from Popeye. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to stay. This. I'm good, and yeah. he would tell me, if you address this part of wow. your life, it's attached to that part. Wow. So I kept getting accountability. I was calling all these people. And it really wasn't very helpful until I started addressing this part wow. of my life. Yeah. And so my point is, is that there was this area that God was trying to speak to me. And I was saying, yeah, yeah, got it. And that area was no. And the whole time, I'm, I'm, I'm making an excuse because I'm trying to reach that person, that young person, or that, not that we have, I'm not trying to reach prostitutes, but you get the point. Like, yeah. I think so many times we can end up not doing what God is asking us to do because we're trying to be the hero to someone that we deem is in worse situations yeah. Yeah. Than, than we are. Yeah. And I feel like God's not looking for heroes. He's really looking for obedient people. Yeah. Is there something that comes to mind that you feel like collectively, maybe individually or con- collectively, and we'll throw it to you, Victor, where you feel that God might be telling all of his sons, because this is not gender, all of his sons and daughters to do something collectively that we may not be doing. Well, I, I look at this pandemic as a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a lot of soul searching around even, I'll just say about what, what I would even call an organization that I've called second half consulting is what I call my company. Mm. And I call it that because I believe, I'll, I'll use the sports analogy where it comes from, and that is that so many of us go through life, and it doesn't necessarily mean second half, meaning literally you've lived the second half of your life, but we go through life and we've lived a certain portion of it and we realize that there are certain things that we've done right or wrong. Mm. But it's those, going back to the sports analogy, who go into the locker room at halftime. Mm. That's no joke. Evaluate how it was that they played the first half to come out and play the second half better than they played the first. Wow. Right? So I look at this pandemic as a great opportunity for people to say, what do I need to start, to stop, and to continue doing after the pandemic? 
So to me, that's how I look at it. We, we are at a profound time. Shame on us if we don't go into the, this quote unquote locker room that we've all been put in right now. Literally. And use this time to evaluate what we've done and play the second half better than we played the first. Man, we could close the show with that <laughs> Thanks one. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on The Conversation. No, I, I, think, I think that's dead on. And yeah. I have wrestled with that because I think that, you know, a lot of times you can focus on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. But we love to pray for revival, but most revivals in the church were preceded by reformations, mm -hmm. which means that God's people changed the way that they did something, mm -hmm. and then revival hit. Wow. So typically, without a, without a reformation, you won't see revival because it, it's, it's changing our, our, our thought processes, the way that we approach things. Yeah. And I do think that this pandemic was good for that. I mean, what would you say is something during this time that has changed the most for you? Um, everything. So maybe like a, a, a yes that God got from you in this season that used to be a no. Yeah, love that. Um, I, I know the thing. I just want to say it. I, um, I think that at the start of 2020, I don't think any of us saw it being here, wherever we are individually, collectively, at the start of 2020. But I think for me, and recently, it has been this challenge from God, and low-key you, but in a good, in a good way, to really see what he has outside the walls of the four walls of the church. I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. I am probably the son that says, yeah, yeah, I got that. And then doesn't do it. And I think that God this year has been asking me the question, can I teach you something from someone you deem less spiritual? Can you learn from something can you learn from someone that doesn't go to church every Sunday? Can you listen to this person that has the wackiest views in your mind about, like, whatever, health, like, nature, I don't know, whatever, beliefs that I wouldn't necessarily think, can I learn from people? Or, if, or am I so busy listening to podcasts and making sure someone has a pastor in front of their name before I will have a conversation with them that I'm actually missing the people that he's using. Mm -hmm. And a couple of months ago, well, like two months ago, six weeks ago, um, I finally said yes to that, taking a step back from my formal position on staff at Oasis to actually lean into what God has, whatever that looks like. And I think that's the scariest yes. There's been so many yeses this year, but that's been the scariest one because in a sense, not a lot has changed for me. I'm still here. I'm doing this. I'm still kind of doing all the things I was doing before. But it has been a yes of I'm going to go into I'm going to go into the vineyard. I said no a thousand times before, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then I changed my mind of okay, I'm going to go and out there. I've been in the house. I've been in the four walls. I'm going to go out there, and hopefully, this yes brings about like. I don't know, wine from a vineyard, mm -hmm. bunch of wine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of saying yes at the moment. So mm -hmm. this is like a very, and learning now so much from tax collectors and prostitutes, metaphorically, mm -hmm. learning so much from the people that I would have deemed not worthy. Yeah, it represents like um, that feeling where um, people have a voice and, and you're learning from them mm -hmm. 
and you're not judging if they're wor worthy of learning from based off what they know. It's like, we have trusted voices. I get wisdom, but I remember I met with, uh, uh, you tried to connect me with him for years, uh, for a while, Scott Budnick, and he is an amazing, um, uh, runs a nonprofit that we work with and film producer, um, the ARC Anti-Recidivism Coalition. And I met with him in January and we were at his house he was talking about his experience when he, um, you know, came to church and uh, saw the Watoto Choir. Mm -hmm. And I'll never oh, forget, gosh, man. Dude. He goes, <laughs> man, you guys got a great church, man. Just when I came there, man, it was great. So I don't consider myself going to church, you know, every weekend. And he said, um, can I ask you a question? Why every weekend? Why are you guys going on that building every weekend? This stumped you for like a month. You were and I was, this question. I was, I didn't know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, because the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of the saints. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't just pull out that, that one random verse. I'm like, searching. I don't know. I don't know. He's like, think about this. What if the building was closed, right? And you just went to church once a month. And those other Sundays, people were in community. People were serving their community. And it's not just about showing up to a building. It's about being active in your community. He says, because honestly, he says, I, I would say that my team is more just as active or more active than in our community in any church. Yeah. Because we dedicate the, that time to serving. Yeah. What would that look like? Yeah. You know what I said to him? I was like, I, did, I said, I was like, oh, huh. But in my mind, I was like, impossible. There's no way a church could survive if it couldn't go to the building every Sunday. Mm. So God was trying to teach me through him. But, and if he was a pastor, I probably would have leaned into mm. it. Yeah. If T.D. Jakes was saying that. Sure. Yeah. But because he wasn't a church guy, yeah. I was like, oh, this, I get that. I, I don't get it. Yeah. And two months later, I was having to figure out how to do that mm. when God was using him to set me up how to figure out. And, and it would have been a lot more less stressful had I listened and processed wow. that in January when he said it. Dude. And I think. Crazy, right? <laughs> dude, he said it in January. Yeah. And I think about it all the time. And so I didn't process it. Wow. Until maybe May. Because even in April, I'm like, we're going to be we're back. Be See back. you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And here we are, yeah. September, yeah. and our building hasn't been open. Yeah. So he said it. He said it. And so I think that um, I love that thought where um, he is telling the most elite religious leaders yeah. that you guys got something to learn mm -hmm. from these um, people you hate, mm -hmm. despise, ridicule, and judge. Mm -hmm. And I think... In, in, the, in the final thought, I would just say that I know it was maybe even a trigger for someone when I said I'm trying to put my shoe, myself in the shoes of a police officer. And not that I hate or despise police, but I think that the point of this parable, there's many points, but one of the points of this parable is he was telling them that they actually had something to learn from someone that they didn't feel they had anything to learn from. And that there was something about the way that those people operated that they needed to learn from. Yeah. And I think that um, healthy action um, comes from um, learning from people um, that you maybe don't want to learn from. And I think it takes humility. Mm. Um, I think I remember when God was speaking to me about that workout journey, I, I knew I needed help. And my family was going, um, if, if you guys know my friend Marcellus trains us, and my family was going to Marcellus and, and Bess way before I was. And what was interesting is I always knew I was going to go, 
but I was trying to get myself to a physical place wow. so that when I showed up, oh I gosh. needed less yeah, help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really so good. That's help, so true. Literally, I was trying to like, I'm not we about to go that. up there. And if you see Marcellus, he, he looks oh. like a tank. Oh. Like this guy has muscles Pretty on his muscles. thumb. Everywhere. That look <laughs> everywhere. Like his thumb. And I'm like, man, I'm not about to get out there with this guy who can run up and down the hill and I'm be, I, I, didn't, I didn't want the help. Yeah. I didn't want to learn. And I think this is saying, I didn't even want to learn from someone who I, mm. who I needed to learn from. Right. Imagine God trying to get us right. to learn from people that we think we have nothing to learn yes. from. Yes, mm. yes. And I think that um, if this becomes a season of listening and learning, the next season will be one of action. And I think that's what wow. I'm taking out of, and I want you to take out of this closing thought, that if you listen and you learn, mm. you are prepared uh, for action. Um, one of my new mentors... Um, that I'm so grateful for, A.R. Bernard. I reached out to him, and he's been mentoring me about some things, and he said to me, I'm always grateful, and I'm always excited about mentoring somebody who loves to learn. Mm. And I, that always stood out to me, that we need to be teachable, we need to listen, we need to learn. And I think if we're doing more listening than talking, and we're doing more learning than teaching or sharing our opinion, I think we'll be prepared to have the right action in this next season. Amen. What do y'all think about that? Dude, that's so strong. Come on. Episode Amen. two Amen. is so strong. strong. Man, I, I had to cross my legs. I got to go journal. <laughs> look now. back at some notes. Yeah. Take some I notes. Take, Walk away with some. Yeah, you definitely want to watch this one again, especially <laughs> when you're talking about the habits. I think our habits are going to be important. Yeah. And so, man, I'm so grateful. L.A. Strong. Come on. Right. L.A. Strong. Yeah, strong. Here go. <laughs> Can y'all help me thank my co-host, the amazing Elise Marie Murphy, I went middle name. You went middle name. Kendall Haley, and none other than the Oracle. <laughs> the Oracle. Victor <laughs> Haley, everybody. New middle name. Love. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Love you guys so much. Don't forget to watch episode three. If you haven't had a chance to watch episode one, catch up with that. And we will see you on next week's episode, season two of The Conversation. Conversation. <laughs> I'm pointing at you with my broke pink. <laughs> the Conversation.